mommy made me mash my <laughs> I knew you were going to do the sharpay thing. <laughs> How many theater references can I make? And yes, has musical accounts as theater. They made it into a stage show. get started welcome here back. we are Hello. here we are welcome back back in jane's bed <laughs> back where the magic happens thank you for listening to you know what i've been wondering again i'm sarah i'm jane and i'm <laughs> link <laughs> i always wonder when one of us is gonna make that joke so thank you for making it today you're welcome. This is gonna be a very musical reference episode i think we're musical theater nerds we're just gonna say it yeah. Right off the bat, get it out of the way. Yeah, get it out of the way. I don't expect that there won't be many references this episode <laughs> during my I will segment. try my best to not sing. Yeah. You know, I'm always trying my best to not sing, but that's just a promise I can't always keep. Do you know what I just read? What? Danielle Brooks gave up a role in a movie to be in Much Ado at Shakespeare <gasps> in the Park because she's going to be the first black woman to play Beatrice at Shakespeare <gasps> in the Park. Isn't that amazing? I love her, and I love that play, and I love that role, and that just... She's going to be really good. It's wonderful. Do we know who's playing Benedict yet? I mean, the show has been cast. They're in rehearsals, but I don't oh. know who it is off the top of my head. Are you going to look it up? Yes, but you can keep going. <laughs> no, I was just going to ask you how you're doing. Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I had two things happen today that were both real ego boosters. Ooh. Um, one of which was I was at... Uh, work today and on Thursdays I work at a different school than I work at every other day and there's this one little girl there who's like like a ride or die fan of mine <laughs> and she gets so excited when I'm there and today I got there and she's sitting in the middle of a large group of kids so I can't walk over to her but I see her like waving me over yeah. and I was like what is it? I can't come over and she just like looks more ur- earnestly at me and it's like no you have to come here. Like, come here come here and I was like I cannot come over there. Like, if it's a secret, you can come whisper, but, like, otherwise just tell me. Yeah. And she just, like, yells really loudly, (laughs) you look great! (laughs) And I was like, oh, thanks! Like, that made me feel real good. Um, And then today is my granny's birthday, and I called her. And that woman, like, I could sneeze, and she'd be like, our blessed child. Like... (laughs) I have many cousins. She has many grandchildren. And for some reason, I think it's because I'm named after her. She, (laughs) like, loves me. Like, she loves us all equally. But, like, one time I was with every single one of my cousins and Granny wasn't there. And we called her. And we passed the phone around to all talk to her individually. And she said to every other cousin, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give the phone back to Jane. Like, <laughs> before and after I spoke to her. And then, like, the entire time I was on the phone with her, she just was complimenting me. And everyone else, she was like, oh, yes, you. Hello. <laughs> I'm making her sound like she's a mean lady. She's a lovely lady. <laughs> That's hysterical. Well, happy birthday, Granny. Happy birthday, Granny. Yeah, I called her, and it, she was very complimentary and wonderful. And it also added to the ego boost. Yeah. Anyway, the <laughs> my ego's doing good. How was your day? 
It was pretty good. My ego was really shook yesterday when I got a haircut and no one said anything. The only person that noticed, which is so funny, was one of the four-year-olds at my school, <laughs> who is my equivalent to Jane's student at this at the school she was just talking about. Like she, <laughs> she is so observant and she notices everything I do, and she is a rock-hard memory when it comes to things about me. I told her like a week into knowing her that I can't snap, and every once in a while she'll be like, "Can you snap yet?" <laughs> Um, like and I have been practicing every night. Yeah, <laughs> that's what she thinks I do. And I have a tattoo in another language. I have a tattoo in Italian, and I told her once what it meant, and she's referenced it multiple times. So she like she's just a rock hard memory. So I was at school yesterday, and you know, many of these people I see every day, and it's not like I expect everyone to be like, "Wow, look at that stellar haircut! You look so good." Like it wasn't it wasn't that drastic of a change, but. No one noticed, so I was just like, oh, no one noticed I got a haircut, whatever. And then I see this student for the first time that day, and the very first thing she says to me without missing a beat is she goes, Sarah, you got a haircut. And I was like, I did get a haircut. And her teacher was like, how did you notice that? Like, I would have (laughs) never noticed that. And she was like, it looks very nice. I like it very much. (laughs) I was like, thank you. Um, So that (laughs) she, she was the sole healer of my ego yesterday by the way (laughs) the guy who's playing um benedict his name is grantham coleman i can't apparently he was in sweat and he was in um i was trying to find something that we would recognize him from um he's been in a couple things at the public he's very handsome what else has he been in at the public uh oh did you close it i'm so sorry (laughs) i can't find it later it's okay all right so (laughs) Let's talk about Ramadan. Tell me about Ramadan. Which is is currently currently happening. It's currently Ramadan right now. Yeah, Yeah, I know. Which is why you asked. That's why I asked. So before we get into... You've never done this, and I do it at least twice a week. It's a thing. I hit it all the time. I've never noticed. Before we get into exactly what Ramadan is, let's talk about Islam for a little bit. Great. I love that. It, you just got the most overwhelmed look on your face. Like. Because it's a, it's a large topic. I'm not going to go into all of it. Um, I'm going to go into like basics. Like we're in sixth grade world history class defining what religions okay, great, great, are. Great. Yeah. So uh, Muslims believe that around 610 AD. And I know I would like to think that we have Muslim listeners. <laughs> So you're like, you don't need to explain like what Islam is to us. But no, we're not trying to like woman explain to you. Islam. However, I could use some more yeah, understanding okay. on Islam, so I'm telling you right. that it is fine, too. Okay, so basics. Great. Muslims believe that around 610 AD, mm-hmm. a man named Muhammad from the See, Arabian city of Mecca started receiving revelations from Allah via the angel Gabriel. The revelations were collected into a 114 chapter holy book known as the Quran. Oh, that's mm-hmm. what the Quran is. Good yes. to know. Which Muslims believe contains the exact words of Allah. Now, throughout this thing, I'm going to be using Allah and God kind of interchangeably because mm-hmm. all of the articles yeah. that I was reading kind of also did. Okay. Um, Wait, clarifying question. So, Muhammad wrote the Quran, but he was writing down the words of God. Yes. Okay, cool, cool, cool. He yeah. wrote the whole thing. Yeah. All right. It's not like the Bible that different people wrote different stuff. No. Okay. And all of it, they believe 100% is the words of He wrote it word for word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Which I also noticed and thought in my research, I was like, oh, well, the Bible is just a bunch of different men being like, and I have said this and God says this. Yeah. But 
this one's like, no, 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 this is it. Yeah. Muhammad is, according to Muslims, the final prophet in a line of several prophets, including Adam, Abraham, Moses, and Jesus, who were chosen by God to act as messengers to teach mankind. Muslims believe that there is one all-knowing God and people can achieve salvation by following his commandments. Okay. Um, In Arabic, the word Islam means submission or surrender, as in submission to God. Uh, And Mecca is holy because it is the birthplace of Muhammad as well as the location of his first revelations of the Quran. And non-Muslims are not allowed to enter Mecca. The whole city? Yeah. I didn't know that. It has like a big gate on the outside. How did it, how do you prove? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Do you, you probably have to recite something. Maybe. All right. So the following are the five pillars of Islam. So there are five things that um, all Muslims have to do. In order to I read, like vaguely remember learning. Yes. Yeah. So please. Um, <laughs> one is the Shahada, which is uh, the faith in the Islamic religion. Okay. So you have to believe that there is no deity but Allah and Muhammad mm. is the messenger of Allah. Mm-hmm. The Salat, which is you have to pray five times per day facing the direction right. of Mecca. Yeah. There's the Zagat, which means charity. You have to be a charitable person. The Psalm, which is fasting during Ramadan. Oh, great. Yes, yeah, <laughs> the fourth of the fifth. And Hajj, which is the pilgrimage to Mecca at least once during one's lifetime. Okay. So this I've is, heard of all of yeah, these. Yeah, yeah. This is required for all adult, healthy Muslims who have the capacity to travel to Mm -hmm. Mecca and can make arrangements for the care of his or her dependents during the trip. Which, for everything I'm about to say, I kind of liked that every source I found, they were like, we understand if you can't, but try your best. (laughs) Yeah, I did know that that they make, like, if you have a disability or something like that and you physically cannot make the trip, they don't consider you, like, a bad follower. So here we go. What is Ramadan? Please tell me. Muslims observe the month of Ramadan to mark that Allah or God gave the first chapters of the Quran to the prophet Muhammad in 610. So it's to celebrate literally the first thing that happened in Islam. So it is a celebration. Yes, I would say so. I mean, there is much celebration involved. Okay. I would say the overall purpose of it is more of a reminder and remembrance of Mm -hmm. the faith. Yeah. Uh, Ramadan is the ninth month in the Muslim year, during which strict fasting is observed from sunrise to sunset. And I loved this part. The month is signified not by a specific time of year, Mm -hmm. but it's uh, the ninth month in the lunar calendar, which is still, there's still 12 months, but the lunar calendar is 11 days shorter than the solar calendar or the calendar that we know. So every year, Ramadan gets 11 days earlier. And the beginning of Ramadan um, is marked by the observance of a new moon. Ooh. Yep. And there's a specific thing, the Hillal, which means the crescent. Mm -hmm. And it's literally like when there's a new moon, you can't see the moon. Yeah. And the second you see a sliver of moon Mm -hmm. and someone spots it, Ramadan starts. Really? Yeah. That's so interesting. So the, the little sliver is the crescent. That that's what they look for. And because of that, Ramadan doesn't start the same day all over the planet. Because oh. in different locations... The crescent like, won't be seen in the The crescent time. will be seen at different times. And even if there's weather, that also might delay it a day or two. Interesting. Wait, okay. So how does an... 
is it like in each individual family when one person sees the crescent like i think it's just in different geographical locations so is there one person who is in charge for an entire geographic location for looking for the crescent i don't think so but i mean i think most people just kind of generally follow like astrologers like i don't think modern day muslims are outside like looking at the the sky. sky yeah um but like back before we had astrologers and the internet to look up when right. the new moon's going to be. Right. So they would start at the night of the new moon, but they would look for. I think so. But okay. I, th- I do, because so many different websites told me the same fact of like, mm. it's not necessarily all going to start on the same day because you, like, you, you can't start it until you see the crescent. Right. So they are waiting for it to appear. Yes. But it's not. It's, it's not, not so like. Much- Every single person is up there being like, I haven't seen it yet. Like, <laughs> like when there's I think eclipse. it's just like, spread the word. It's been spotted. And like, yeah. Yeah. That's like nice. That's like. And then Ramadan cool. starts the next day after you see the crescent. Gotcha. So, so like you see the next crescent. next morning will be the which, first time you fast. Yeah. Cool. It's a month of intense prayer, dawn to dusk fasting, and nightly feasts. It makes sense to me that it's a celebration because... Like, having been to a Ramadan feast, there is a very, like, celebratory yeah. nature of it. Like, when Kelsey and I would go out in the evening in Tangier, like, there were carnivals, there were parties. Yeah. Like, it's not, it didn't feel like, unlike Yom Kippur, which is very yeah solemn, you know. The fast is intended to bring the faithful closer to God and to remind them of the suffering of those less fortunate. Mm. Muslims often donate to charities during the month to feed the hungry. Oh. Yeah, everything I read about this, I was kind of like, that's nice. That's really nice. (laughs) And fasting is considered an exercise of self-restraint and a way to physically and spiritually detoxify by kicking impulses like morning coffee, smoking, and midday snacking. (laughs) So it's just kind of a reminder that you're more than just a physical body. Like, you're also a soul, and there are certain uh, vices that you don't need to survive. Oh, I like that sentiment. Yeah. And for the fasting to be considered valid... A serious intention must be made, and this is called a nia, and you include that in your the prayers before the sun mm-hmm. rises, before you start fasting for the day. And every day you have to make a new commitment to fast that day. The fast will be considered nullified if one eats, drinks. There are a couple ones that were kind of curveballs in here. If one intentionally vomits, oh. has sexual intercourse, or has menstrual or childbirth bleeding. Which we'll get to there in a minute. It sounds kind of absurd, but we'll get there. They are also supposed to avoid impure thoughts and bad behavior. Which, how do you avoid thoughts, is my question. But I understand. Do your best. Yeah. (laughs) And this one said, Muslims should not engage in road rage, cursing, fighting, or gossiping. I don't (laughs) think road rage is voluntary. (laughs) I don't think it is either. But maybe they're saying, if you're prone to road rage, avoid the road. Observant Muslims abstain from eating and drinking and all of these bad behaviors from dawn to dusk for the entire month. One single sip of water or puff of a cigarette is considered enough to invalidate the fast. Muslims the are whole in- fast or that day's fast? Um, I think that day's fast. Okay. Later on at some point it says that, oh yeah, if, that fa- if the fast is broken, the fast must be made up at a later date. As long as one's fast is not broken intentionally, God will forgive the individual. Isn't it true that if a woman is pregnant, she's allowed to yes. forgo the fast? Yeah. There are a lot of exceptions. The sick, the elderly, pregnant women, menstruating women. Are excused. And <laughs> young children. And there's an athletes participating in tournaments. 
I guess if it's like the Olympics falls. Yeah. Like the Summer Olympics, I think, has fallen during Ramadan yeah. before. Like they want you to remain healthy. It, it also, mm-hmm. At one point, I also read that you're not supposed to take medications during Ramadan, but everywhere it was like, but of course, do whatever you need to to remain healthy. So I don't, I, yeah. my question was like, okay, well, what if I take a medication that makes me very sick to my stomach if I don't eat something? Mm. I think obviously it's like eat what you have to. Yeah to keep yourself from being ill yeah i have heard before that i have heard this um, i don't know this for a fact but like if you are if you cannot maintain a healthy body then you cannot maintain like a healthy relationship with god mm. like you have to have That's like nice again i forget where i heard that that might not be true but i thought that was a nice sentiment yeah and muslims are encouraged to observe the five daily prayers on time and use their downtime just before breaking their fast at sunset to recite Quran and intensify remembrance of God. So it's like if you're bored and there's something you'd rather be doing that like would break the fast, just pray instead. It's <laughs> basically what I think pray they're the saying there. Away. <laughs> um, Ramadan is a time for is a time to detach from worldly pleasures and focus on one's prayers. Many Muslims dress more conservatively during Ramadan and spend more time at the mosque than any other time of year. Mm. Oh, here's a quick fun fact for you. Oh, I love a fun fact. Where do you think the first mosque in America was built? The first mosque in America? Yeah. I don't actually really know which like cities and areas have a high Muslim population. I'm going to... I'm going to guess New York. It was in North Dakota. Really? Yeah. It was built by Lebanese immigrants in the 1920s. Uh, and it was rebuilt in the 1970s, which makes the oldest surviving American mosque being one in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which was built in the 1930s. Super interesting. Yeah. Very surprising. Yep. That is a fun fact. So let's get into some customs of Ooh, Ramadan. Please. Um, to prepare for the day of fast, Muslims wake up early before the sunrise and eat what is commonly called a suhoor which is a pre-dawn meal of power foods to get them through the day. Right. Um, after a couple days of fasting, people actually find that their body kind of adapts to going up to 19 hours without eating or drinking. Yeah. And it eventually, and that they also find is a reminder that the person is not just a physical body, but a soul as well. Right. That like... We can adapt. We can adapt. Muslims break their fast after the sun goes down in the same manner that the Prophet Muhammad did some... 1400 years ago with a sip of water and some dates at sunset after the sunset prayer there was a large feast and celebration known as iftar uh and it is a social event as much as it <laughs> this I, I found this quote in a in an article and i thought it was hilarious iftar is a social event as much as it is a gastronomical adventure <laughs> Apricot juice is a common drink at iftars, which I don't think I've ever had apricot juice. Oh my juice, god, Kelsey and I, that's what that was. Kelsey and I, when we went to one, it, nothing was labeled. Mm-hmm. So that was a gastronomical adventure. It was food <laughs> we'd literally never seen before and none of it was labeled. And there was this juice in jugs and we were debating what the fruit was. It was apricot. Mm-hmm. Wow. Things you learn a year later. Yeah. Uh, and in, a- in South Asia and Turkey, yogurt-based drinks are popular. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Across the Muslim world, mosques and aid organizations set up tents and tables for the public to eat free iftar meals every night after Ramadan. Aww. It's a very charitable time, yeah. which I think is very nice. It's very nice. Muslims, mm-hmm. <laughs> particularly in the United States and Europe, 
are accepting and welcome of others around them who either don't observe Ramadan because they're not Muslim or otherwise, and they don't expect shorter work hours, which is the case across much of the Arab world Mm. during Ramadan. Gotcha. In some Middle Eastern countries, such as Saudi Arabia or the United Arab Emirates, non-Muslims or adult Muslims who are seen eating in public during the day can be fined or even jailed. Oh, my God. They're much stricter about it. Whereas in America, I think because there's so much more diversity of religion. Yeah. They're much more accepting of people celebrating Ramadan however they want. Yeah. Uh, Some of the, some other traditions are that at the start of the month, a typical greeting is Ramadan Mubarak, which I believe just means happy Ramadan um, or something of the like, a celebratory thing of Ramadan. Mm -hmm. And a nightly prayer at the mosque among Sunni Muslims is called the Tarawih. Um, In Egypt, there is a lantern called the Fanus, which is often a centerpiece at the iftar table, but it can be seen decorating windows and balconies all throughout the month. In Arabian Gulf countries, I like this. This sounds like a party. Wealthy sheiks hold majilises. Um, Sounds majestic. Yeah. And that is where they open their doors for people passing by, like, during any hour of the night, can stop in for food, coffee, tea, and conversation. Ooh. Which is like, anyone hungry? We're rich, so come on in. So inviting. Yeah. And it is becoming increasingly common for five-star hotels to have Ramadan tents where they sell lavish and expensive meals all night long. Hmm. Which is getting into what some people are taking critique of Mm -hmm. because they're finding that because Muslim, because Islam is the second largest religion in the world, companies have started to take note of that and are using Ramadan for financial gain. And they don't like that. Like there are specific shows that are specifically aired during Ramadan in, in Egypt and they make a lot of money off of advertisements and they're only shown after sundown and they're, gotcha. like, aimed at Ramadan participants. There's a lot of commercialism around it all of a sudden, such gotcha. as fancy five-star hotels selling meals. Right. To And that's against what the spirit of Ramadan right, really calls for. It really calls for thing. charity and yeah. community and yeah. things that are not capitalist yeah <laughs> this the whole charity thing makes so much sense because for some reason kelsey and i the hotel we stayed at like just kept giving us so much free stuff we were like <laughs> why but now i know it's because it was ramadan and it was in the spirit of ramadan yeah and the end of ramadan is celebrated by a three-day holiday called eid al-fatir and during this time that's what eid al-fatir is mm-hmm. oh my gosh we have off school for that and i know what it was <laughs> Um, during this time, children often receive new clothes, gifts, and cash. I thought you were going to say, and cats. <laughs> I wish. Um, I'd convert. I'd convert right If the now. present for Ramadan was cat every year. Wow. Um, some devout Muslims go into reclusion during the final days, spending all of their time in the mosque. And Muslims attend early morning Eid prayers the day after Ramadan. So the end of Ramadan is marked by intense worship as Muslims seek to have their prayers answered during Laylat al-Qadar, um, which is called the Night of Destiny. Ooh. And it is on that night, which falls during the last 10 nights of Ramadan, that Muslims believe that God sent the angel Gabriel to the prophet Muhammad and revealed the first verse of the Quran. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so this night is very special, and that's when people hope that their prayers will be answered right. that night. And finally, 
The day after Ramadan ends is a popular day uh, for families to spend the day at parks and eat during the day this time. Oh, that's sweet. So, like, yes, during the when the sun is up, people are very devout. They try to be very strict to the fast in in ways of diet and in ways of behavior. Right. Um, but at night, it's very celebratory and yeah. community-based. Um, and it's to bring people together and to bring people closer to God. And it just seems like a, a nice time. Yeah. I feel like we have a stigma about it because we're like fasting you know like we, yeah i think i think america specifically is a very gluttonous society yeah so ramadan seems so foreign to us because of that yeah but like it's a really lovely tradition i do find it interesting that both judaism and islam have holidays in which they fast oh and christianity doesn't even though like, they're all kind of built off of each other in a way. Yeah. Because Islam still believes in... They still believe in Jesus, you know? I mean, so does Judaism. They just don't believe that he that he was the son of God. Right. But, like, it, it's, like, kind of scaffolded. Like, first was Judaism, and then Christianity yeah. is built off of Judaism. Is built off of Judaism. And Islam is built off of Christianity. Kind of. But the, it is interesting that... I said, do you hear that person yelping? And I don't know what that is. You think that's a person? I was like, is there a coyote outside? Aren't (laughs) we in New York City? I am hoping it's a person and not a coyote. If there's a coyote in our... So this is what I'm hearing. I'm just assuming that's a person doing something weird. I don't know. All right. Anyway, I do think it's interesting that these kind of like, quote unquote, book, like religions that kind of bookend Christianity. Yeah. Christianity being this like middle Mm -hmm. point. Both have holidays in which fasting features prominently, and Christianity yeah. does not. Lent is kind of like that, but not to the same extent. No. Things that make you go, hmm. Yeah, really. All right. Is that everything? That's all my notes. That was so informative. Thank you. A little less information than the Vietnam War, but that's because it's just kind of a... I feel like holidays are easier to explain than wars. Well, last week I had to learn about a lot of really sad things. And this week was kind of nice. Yeah. No, that was very uplifting. I like hearing about a holiday that's important in other traditions. Yeah. It's nice to learn more about people other than yourself and your community. Also, just hearing about all of the nice things that people do for each other and for the less fortunate during Ramadan made me just feel like not even a bad Christian, but just like a bad person that I don't do enough people and i don't like there are a lot of people in this world that i consider much more selfish than i but even i was like wow i could be doing so much yeah i also i appreciate any moment to help overcome a stereotype that islam is a violent religion oh yeah because islam is a very peaceful religion and very charitable so i appreciate any any day to take a moment and be like wow what a peaceful and lovely religion and people yeah are you ready to talk about some things on Reddit? Oh, right. Wow. <laughs> um, this, is a, this is a juicy one. So this is a question someone posed that doesn't have an answer. It's a, little, it's a discussion question. Great. This is from r slash too afraid to ask. Nice. Do you think flirting is manipulative? <gasps> oh, hmm. it can be. It totally can be. Like if you like when you flirt with a coworker to get them to do something for you or right, like Right, but also like flirting to get out of a speeding ticket. 
Yeah, but also like flirting often means that you're putting on like you're putting on some sort of guise. Yeah. You know, you're doing a bit of a ruse um, to make you seem the most appealing that you can be. Oh, I see what you're saying. You know, like I think there's something manipulative about that. Yeah. But like, okay, so are we saying like like a like a peacock, you know, it puffs up its tail to attract a mate. Is that manipulative? Like, well, yeah, flirting is, it, is our is flirting, peacocking. but like, it is it is our peacocking. But when a peacock does that, he's draw he's attracting the attention to his best feature and his best feature only, which is his tail. You know, <laughs> he's like, look at that tail, <laughs> wink, wink. But like, he's got a nice tail. He's he's drawing attention away from the fact that maybe his feathers are a little ruffled, you know? Oh. We don't know anything about that peacock besides his tail. <laughs> we, don't, <laughs> we don't know what he's seen, what he's done. It is an interesting question. I, I do kind of think flirting can be manipulative. I think you, people use flirting, like you said, to get things, mm-hmm. to get what they want for personal gain. Sometimes you're flirting with somebody just for your own confidence boost, not even because you're interested in that person, which Mm. can be manipulative. I think flirting can be really misleading. And I'm not saying don't flirt with people. Like, yeah, flirt with whomever you want. Like, flirting. Also, like, the last thing I want is to perpetuate this idea that, like, when you flirt with someone, you owe them something. You absolutely do not. That's not what I'm saying. Also, like... (laughs) Those two things that I said at the beginning, flirting to get someone to do something for you at work and flirting to get out of a speeding ticket, are things that I would never be able to do because oh, I no. cannot flirt. I am so <laughs> bad. I thought you were just going to say, I'm too shy. <laughs> no, like, I wouldn't even know where to begin with flirting. Like, yeah. I, I can't I, pick flirting out of... I, if flirting was my mother, I would not be able to pick it out. Like, what? I don't know. <laughs> it's just a phrase I've never heard before. <laughs> it's not a phrase. I just made it up. Like, I I have such a hard time yeah. identifying when someone is flirting with me or if they're just being regular nice. Yeah. I literally cannot tell when people are just being nice and when they're flirting with me. I don't know what the drawing line is. My, la- my last two and only two boyfriends... It was a shock to me when I found out they liked me. I was like, you like me? And, like, I didn't find out until, like, we had kissed. Like, it took that long. And then I was like, what? I love that tweet that's, like, me, me at the altar. At my wedding. Me at the altar at my wedding. But, like, do you like, like me? Yeah. No, that's exactly how I feel. I have the hardest time identifying when someone has, like, flirtatious or yeah. romantic feelings towards me and when they just want to be my friend. It's always a shock. If I'm flirting with you, am I trying to be manipulative? No. But it's an accident. I was unaware I was doing yeah, it. Yeah, I literally had no idea. I'm like an awkward I can't even think of my the first noun my brain thought of just now to prove how awkward I am is I'm just an awkward rubber band. Like <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of some I'm flailing just, object that doesn't know how to exist. I am just an awkward <laughs> rubber band. <laughs> So there's no way that I was ever like talking to someone and they were like, wow, you were flirting. And you didn't, like my natural state is not flirting. So anyway, regardless, regardless of intention, I do think that flirting can be manipulative yes. because I think that you put on a part of yourself that isn't normally there. I think you are never your most genuine self when you're in a process of flirting, especially if you only know a person through like a romantic relationship, like you didn't know them before. Oh, so yeah. all they get is your like flirting self 
I think there's something disingenuous about that. Ooh, we should do like a segment where we, like every week, we try to think of our best pickup line. Every week or just this week? <laughs> I mean, I the only reason why I said every week is because I don't know if I can think of any good ones right now. <laughs> oh, so next week you want to give me a pickup line? Yeah. All right, Jane, don't next worry, week work. you're going to try to pick me up. <laughs> From now on, anytime someone starts like, flirting with me on a dating app. I'm going to be like, hey, are you manipulating me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think it can be. I think it's manipulative. But that's fine. Sometimes we have to be manipulative and there's nothing wrong with that. That's the end of that. <laughs> that was a good topic. Thank you. I feel like we haven't had one that was like debate worthy in a while. Yeah, it was good. It was fun. I wanted, you know, I love starting a discussion. Oh, Kelsey has walked oh, in. We didn't close the door. Because the lights are dead. <laughs> Jane, there's a handsome man feeding cats outside. You've got two minutes. Go get it. <laughs> time to be flirty. Wait, who is it? Is, is it, it worth a... it to get up? It's time oh. to go be manipulative. All right. Are you ready to... I am ready. Learn about the particular skirmish. I, skirmish isn't exactly... The particular event. Event, yeah. No, it's a skirmish. Skirmish is a good word. I am going to explain... Quite a bit of the French Revolution, not the whole thing. Can't wait. But you kind of need, you need, there's a lot of setup that leads to this event that is noteworthy information to have. Also, like, you can never learn too much about the French Revolution because, again, something my history class just really glossed over because it didn't happen in America. I learned a little bit about the French Revolution, like that it happened. I certainly. And when it happened. <laughs> that it happened. And America's reaction to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I learned a lot about America's Lack of help. To it. Yeah. Once again, I apologize for all the musical references. You can't stop oh. me. They're just in my heart. Oh, should I even try to hold back? No, <laughs> just let them loose. Be free. So there have been three French revolutions. Wow. The first, which is the most famous and the one everyone thinks about when you say the French Revolution, it's the one that pops in your head, took place between 1789 and 1799. And here's a quick three bullet point recap. One. Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette were beheaded in 1793. Wedding with a king whose head is now in a basket. (laughs) Thank you for the Hamilton reference. Oh, I'm not only going to reference Les Mis. Wow. I even have a Matilda reference lined up. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I love Matilda. (laughs) Two. Robespierre began his reign of terror. He was the like... he He was essentially a dictator. He wasn't the... The, technically the directory which is like a group of men were the leaders but he was the leader of the directory and he sent to the guillotine like thousands of men in like two years um and then napoleon stages a coup d'etat and becomes the first consul of france and eventually emperor and his coup d'etat happens in 1799 so that's when he takes power becomes emperor in 1804 that's the first french revolution um, Napoleon's reign ended in 1815. He was defeated at Waterloo. Waterloo! There it is. <laughs> and exiled. Louis XVI's brother, Louis XVIII, was crowned King of the French. Yes, I know I said Louis XVIII. And that is because Louis XVII was King Louis XVI's son, who never became king um, because he died at age 10. And as a way to honor him, because the entire monarchy was overthrown. So he never, like, lived to become king and all of that. Um, in his honor, his uncle Moved decided down to... down a number? Yeah, decided to skip 17 because in, like, the hearts of France, oh. he was he was Louis the Seventeenth, even though he never oh, officially I became see. king. Aww. Yeah, so his uncle 
King Louis the Sixteenth's brother became king, and he skipped over seventeen in honor of his nephew and it's, became I've, Louis the Eighteenth. It's just so confusing. That there, there are so many, many Louis. Louis. I mean, going to be more in this story alone. <sighs> Louis. <laughs> She's talking about Louis, Louis from One Direction. Louis from One Direction. He's been through so much, you guys. He really has. Send him a card. Um, <laughs> so Louis the Eighteenth in 1815 was crowned King of the French, which is a super important new distinction as opposed to King of France because it marked him as a king of the people of France, not king of, like, the whole place. Mm. This was called the Bourbon Restoration because... This that's what the monarchy was called, the Bourbons. Okay. This was under a constitutional monarchy, meaning the king had to rule following a subscribed set of rules decided by representatives. Okay. Yeah. So essentially they had their own it was Declaration of the Rights of Man is their constitution. Yeah. Louis the eighteenth dies in eighteen twenty four. He was king for nine years, and his brother, Louis the Sixteenth's other brother, Charles the Tenth, becomes the new king. France needs more names. If your name is the third or something more it, get a new name get a new name england's done the same thing there's been a ton of henry's yeah lots of edwards lots of george's my late grandfather's name was eric christian bertelson my dad is eric christian bertelson jr and my brother is christian eric bertelson and gosh darn it if one of my children isn't gonna be eric christian the third like, <laughs> i love the i guess that the means though that my kids are gonna need to have my last name Oh, well, I'll make it happen. And be a powerful woman. Um, Charles X was very much on the side of royalists and wanted an an absolutist monarchy to return to France so that he would have supreme power. So he was against a constitutional monarchy. And the people were very upset about this because they had just gone through this entire French Revolution to have more representation and Mm -hmm. to make sure that the monarchy couldn't do whatever they wanted. And Charles X was trying to undo that. His rule led to the Second French Revolution, which was very short. Um, but these were the three big reasons that they wanted to get rid of him. Charles X openly favored Catholicism, um, which still is was a problem in Europe at the time, the fight between Protestantism and Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Um, and any sacrilege became punishable by death. So if, essentially, if anyone did anything illegal in a church or near a church, they could be they could be killed mm. which was a very harsh penalty so people did not like that no i can imagine they didn't <laughs> i i can understand what why no one likes that what <laughs> charles the 10th also paid nobles and upper classmen for their losses of property and wealth during the first french revolution so the french revolution saw a lot of elite members of society losing property losing castles and it was all destroyed or given away etc and charles the 10th tried to like pay them back for that which people didn't like because they're like you acknowledging the loss of the nobles shows us that you regret that that revolution happened and the third reason that people did not like charles the 10th was not really his fault um but france was experiencing a major economic downturn crops were dying they were in a drought not a good Mm. time um, which led to the rise of a very liberal working class. Ooh. Yes, the liberals. Love that. The liberals are coming. <laughs> All of this eventually led to the July Revolution of 1830, also known as the Second French Revolution. Now, this okay. is going to get confusing because the July Revolution happened before the June Revolution. <laughs> so right wow. now we're talking about July. <laughs> That's just bad branding. I know. <laughs> 
<laughs> they weren't thinking ahead. <laughs> they didn't know that in two years there would be one in June. Um, so in 1814, going back a little bit, the French government had established the Chamber of Deputies, which was a lower parliamentary chamber that served as a, represent- as a representational democracy. So it was a way to get more representatives of lower class people into government and have more of a say in lawmaking. So that had been established in 1814 under Louis the 18th. But Charles the 10th did not like it. Okay. Um, on May 16th, that's today... <laughs> Except <gasps> 200 years ago. <laughs> a little exactly 200 years? No, it was oh. 1830. It was, was like, wow, the bicentennial. 200 and 181 years ago. I love that mental math. Thank you. 108, on May 16th, 1830, 181 years ago, happy anniversary, um, the election for the Chamber of Deputies resulted in a very liberal parliament. A lot of liberal people had been elected. And Charles X was not happy with this, so he purposefully tried to repress the power of the Chamber of Deputies, which had just been the newly elected liberal section of parliament. Mm -hmm. Um, And that made the people even angrier, and that led to the Three Glorious Days. The Three Glorious Days took place July 26th to July 29th in the streets of Paris. Thousands of working-class men suppressed deputies from the parliament students and journalists um who had been like suppressed by charles the yeah. 10th um barricaded the streets of paris um on the third day they sacked the tuileries palace and the hotel de ville um which are the two seats of government yes yes, yes. um and the revolutionaries were flying the tricolor flag which was a symbol of the first revolution but wasn't the flag at the time it was the it was a white flag with the sigil of the house of bourbon on it mm-hmm. Um, so that was, it was significant that they were waving the tricolor. Okay. On August 2nd, Charles X abdicated three days after they sacked the city. Um, and his distant cousin, King Louis-Philippe I of House Orléans, okay. became the king. Um, and he made the national flag the tricolor flag. Okay. This marked the end of the Bourbon dynasty and began a new area of Orléans rule, which which once was once again under a constitutional monarchy. So he was like, yeah, I'll follow the rules. Um, <laughs> and this became known as the July monarchy because it followed the July revolution. Okay. Well, um, you'd think it then would then be the August monarchy, but because it followed the July re- whatever, well, whatever. It, it was caused by the July revolution. Yes, I I, I, I understand monarchy. the reasoning. Just... This still isn't the skirmish in Les Mis. No, see, that was because I knew it was going to be the third thing. But then when you were like, and they built barricades in the street, I was like, oh, no, was I not paying attention? And this is it. Like, <laughs> No. <laughs> but everything you just said, I did. No, I, it I does sound like, yeah, familiar, yeah, yeah, and that's attention. for a reason. The skirmish slash rebellion slash revolution, small revolution in Les Mis, takes place in between the second and the third revolution. It's not the third revolution. It just takes place in between the two. Oh. So King Louis-Philippe was popular amongst the middle class, but not many more than that. Um, There were three major opposing groups. The French Republicans, who saw no difference between monarchs and was like, a monarchy is a monarchy. We want a representational democracy. Like, we want a republic. Okay. The Bonapartists, which were Napoleon supporters who wanted his empire restored. And that's who the people in Les Mis are. They're Bonapartists. 
Oh. Yeah. I feel like I need to rewatch Les Mis after this. Um, and the third group were the legitimatists who thought that Charles X's heir, his grandson Henry, was the rightful king. So they just wanted, like, the real heir to the throne, not mm-hmm. this, like, one place there by the par- by parliament because parliament like hand selected this guy everything reminds me of game of thrones these days i know so there was a lot of there was a lot of tension in between people because there were three separate groups who were all unhappy with louis philippe and they were all coming they were coming at him from all sides okay um france was also still amid a major economic crisis some think that this crisis was worse than the one leading up to the first french revolution it was really bad um and to make things worse a cholera epidemic severely worsened conditions in france um there were even rumors that the monarchy was secretly poisoning poisoning the commoners wells to spread the cholera and like control the population these were rumors never corroborated then on may 16th again (laughs) 1832 wow, Granny's birthday yeah two years after the last chamber election right wait yeah this one was 177 years ago and the first thing that happened was 179 years ago okay yeah you it's I, no. you know what around just under 180 years wait, ago around. I have to do math <laughs> okay yeah yeah the first one was 189 years ago that's when the parliament was elected and then 187 years ago was this next thing that happens okay. um on, on may 16th 1832 two years after the last chamber election so on the two-year anniversary of that election which a lot of liberals were elected um popular prime minister casimir perrier died from cholera Followed by French revolutionist and famed general Jean-Maximilien Lamarck <gasps> on June 1st. I know that name! Yeah, we know this one. And this was a major event because they were very popular amongst the people. They were revolutionists. They had been through the first re- French Revolution and they had been fighting for a more constitutional leadership for many, many years. Um, the loss of these two political reformers agitated those opposing the king and led to the small June Rebellion of 1832, the subject of Victor Hugo's Les Miserables. Wow. Yeah. In France at the time, this is like a a cool fact. Not a cool fact. I wouldn't say it's cool, but it's interesting. Um, in France at the time, gatherings of more than 20 men at a time were illegal for fear of revolution because there had been so many revolutions and rebellions. Honestly, they should redo that. I don't trust a group of 20 or more men in general. So, <laughs> I mean, yes. Let's make that illegal again, you know? <laughs> I honestly see the point. Um, so the people were forced to form secret societies and small clubs, which is what the friends of the ABC and Les Miserables are. Um, these same societies had planned the riots that led to the deposition of King Charles X in 1830, and they planned similar riots to follow Lamarck's funeral, opposing the rule of King Louis-Philippe. On June 5th, 1832, thousands gathered at the Place de Bastille to mourn Lamarck, um, Parisians and refugees alike. And I didn't know this, but a lot of Polish, Italian, and Irish refugees went to the funeral because Lamarck had fought for the freedom of poland because poland has had a lot of political problems um and was very supportive of polish irish and um italian immigrants that had come into france i really now that i'm thinking about it don't know anything about poland 
Oh, girl, I'll tell you. <laughs> there's this, like... You're Polish, right? Yeah. There's this, like, he, there's this book. It's a very famous book. It's just called Poland. That's about the entire <laughs> history of Poland. And my mom read it or was trying to read it before we went to Poland, but it's thick and intense. And it's, like, Poland has been invaded so many times. It's it's so sad. It's because of their positioning, and they're such a huge mm. country. They've just been raided really? so many times. I wouldn't think and they've Poland never had a large... Yeah, and they never had a strong military. I need to look at a globe. Um, they also don't have most countries, or many countries in Europe, the ones that we think of very being very fortified and very strong, have natural mountains to protect them. Switzerland, France, Italy, England has an ocean. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Poland doesn't have that. It's not surrounded by mountains, so it's very easy to invade. So Lamarck took a lot of pity on Polish immigrants. So that's why there was actually a lot of Polish people there, which is really cool. So they gathered at the Place de la Bastille to mourn Lamarck, and eventually a red flag was raised that said la liberté ou la mort, which means liberty or death, and this caused mass chaos. That was like a red, that was literally a red flag <laughs> <laughs> to mark that like, okay, wow, the rebellion will begin. That phrase started. That's know. a red flag. <gasps> that's how it started. That's crazy. Maybe, we don't know. And the military began firing shots into the sky to calm the crowd. It was like literally like, you need to stop or we're going to shoot you. And that didn't work. That would not calm me down. No, it would not calm you down. It was supposed to be a warning. And then that ended up creating even more chaos. And even the Marquise de Lafayette. Lafayette. We know him. (laughs) We know him. Um, I did a report on Marquis de Lafayette in seventh grade. So I felt like, I was like, oh, I know all about him before Hamilton even was a thing. Like, yeah, I'd heard his name. I knew he was very important, but I didn't know. I definitely didn't learn more from Hamilton, but I could know more. But anyway, he was a pallbearer at the funeral because Lamarck Aww. was one of his close friends. Um, and even he could not contain the revolutionaries, despite the fact that at the funeral, he had given a speech about, like, peace and compromise. So he, <laughs> it just makes me sad thinking about this man who is, like, an icon of France running around being like, stop, stop, like, don't do this. Mm. And just mass chaos. So the rebels took over most of Paris's eastern and central arrondissements. There were rumors that they would try to sack the palace, much like the inspiring rebellion from two years before, the July Rebellion, Mm -hmm. um, but they never made it that far. The two most notable barricades were built across the Rue Saint-Martin and the Rue Saint-Denis, but because their numbers were much smaller than the July Rebellion of 1830, only about 3,000 compared to 40,000 the first time, and because the French government had seized many weapons in between the revolutions to discourage rebellion, by the morning of June 6th, 1832, the rebels found themselves surrounded. Mm. And then skirmishes ensued. King Louis-Philippe also showed much more resolve than Charles X had in the face of the revolution, and he appeared in the streets himself to maintain order and to show that he still had control, whereas Charles X fled. Um, the rebels did lose, and King Louis-Philippe's reign continued until the third and final French Revolution in 1848. On that day, June 6th, 1832, 93 rebels, rebels were killed and 291 were re- wounded out of only 3,000. So it was a very small revolution comparatively, which is why it's not considered one of the official revolutions, unlike the July Revolution, mm. which had like 40,000 men participate. Interesting. Uh, This was considered a failed rebellion, and in the aftermath, the king tried to paint the rebels as an extremist minority to discourage further action. Was it ever called the schoolboy revolt or something like that? I feel like I... I didn't see it referred to as that. I feel like I've heard it called that, but that is why I was 
prepared for my we are revolting children (laughs) i feel like i've just when you google it les mis does come up that's not in its official title but yes like many of the people participating were students um michelle joffrey who was a young parisian painter was charged with and sentenced to death for waving the red flag for being the one with the flag at lamarck's funeral So Victor Hugo chose this rebellion as his inspiration for Les Miserables because he walked through it. Victor Hugo, who was 30 years old at the time, was in the Tuileries Gardens writing a play when he heard gunfire. um, And he went out to see what was going on, not knowing that a rebellion had started in the city because he was not at the funeral. And he followed the sounds of gunfire to the barricades near Les Halles, unaware that rebels were sacking the city. He ended up getting surrounded by the barricades, and he hid himself in between columns for about 15 minutes while a fight broke out between the rebels and French troops as they shot each other until they had moved on. Wow. Yeah. 30 years later, in 1862, he published Les Miserables, and some historians and literature people speculate that it would have been a forgotten rebellion if not for the novel and the musical that inspired it because it was so small yeah and didn't really make any political change the political change didn't come until 1848 when Mm. louis philippe was overthrown the french government has been through a lot (laughs) it's changed so often i went to victor hugo's house when i was in paris i didn't and i regret it it's kind of like is it just like a house? Is yeah, there cool just, stuff there? It's just a house. Mostly what it is is like there's a lot of paintings in every room oh. that painters have done of scenes from his novels. Oh, that's and cool. And there's the like final room you go through is um, the room that they assumed was Victor Hugo's bedroom. And it's entirely um, decorated to look like the painting that is of Jean Valjean dying. Oh, um, that's cool. I don't know why they were like his bedroom is exactly like Jean Valjean's bedroom, but... It's like the same bed. It's very dark and dimly lit. Oh, because that room is probably like where he died because it was his sick bed also. Oh, that that's why sense. it was. Yep. There you go. I put it together. <laughs> she got it. She got it. Um, honestly, I'm, a, I'm a puzzle solver, you know. Honestly, like I've read Les Mis. It's a bear of a Wow. Book. That's impressive. Isn't it so long? It's a thousand pages. It's the, long, it's the longest book I've ever read. Um, it's so long and it's a lot of history and like you, I mean it's a long musical it's a long music a longer <laughs> book and it's a lot of history and I still didn't know any of this a lot of people think that it takes place during the French Revolution like the first yeah. one people assume that because there's fighting in the streets and barricades um, and but it took place almost 30 years later wow but yeah that's Les Mis it's not none of the people in it are based off of real people um, you mean the, Marius Pomerci is fictional? You told me a minute ago. You, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, and the Friends of the that. ABC, which is that club they're a part of, that was a fictional society. Um, friends but, of the ABC. My head is just like, you mean people who watch Grey's Anatomy? <laughs> friends of the ABC. I'm a friend of the ABC. <laughs> <laughs> but there is there is history, and it was a small it was a small rebellion, but worthy of Hugo's attention. No, Les Mis is genuinely, like, it's such a good musical, and I forget that often, and then I'll go and I'll listen to it, and I'll be like, wow. Well, I feel like it's become such a meme of musical theater. Like, yeah, Les Mis, that super long one that, like, now is a movie where they, like, did it weirdly. But I move to tears when I hear Do You Hear the People Sing. Oh, my gosh. Have you ever heard Do You Hear the People Sing sung in French? 
it'll mess you up. <laughs> One of my teachers showed it to me in high school and she was like, you want to hear emotion? And she played, do you hear the people saying in French? And I was like, I am moved. It's, it's beautiful in French. I also think it's one of those musicals that every, every musical theater kid has those shows that they're like, God, I'm hoping I'm in this before I die. And I think every musical oh, yeah. theater kid is like, I hope I'm in Les Mis at some point. Yeah. Cause it's just one of the, I think it's that and Into the Woods. Like, uh, it's just so frustrating because people who love musical theater love Into the Woods and all want to be in it. But people who don't like musical to go theater, see, yeah. My mother has been to see me in it and she's been to see it with me multiple times and she hates it. Yeah. But I still like, I know I've been in it before, but I desperately want to be the baker's wife someday. So my mom has to see it at least one more time. Right. But she hates it. And I feel like that's the general consensus. Oh yeah, my mom who, also does not like Into the Woods. You she either love depressing. Into the Woods and you're when you want to be in it, or you hate Les Mis and you're forced to see. Or you hate Into the Woods and you're forced to see it. Yeah. So like, it's this. Yeah, Les Mis is also one of the first combo. musicals I ever saw. So not I saw it when my high school did it, but I've actually loved never seen it live. Alive. I've listened to the soundtrack a million times, and I've watched all the anniversary concerts. But honestly, that was the first time I I love the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> And I think Nick Jonas is very talented. And I thought he was amazing in the Jonas Brothers. But when I saw him as Marius in the 25th anniversary concert, I was like, oh, you're amazing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't even the most amazing Marius I've ever heard. But I was like, you can sing. Yeah. It just made me like think so highly of him. Oh, yeah. Going back to the book, it's one of those books that, like, reading it was such a hard experience, and I did it for a school project, so I had to do it. I had to finish it. You were assigned that book, or were you just, like, you? No, I was, all right, are you You can read a book, and you were like, I'm going to read the longest one. Literally. So, are you ready to hear a really Ravenclaw story? Yes. My senior year in AP English, we had this project where you had to do an in-depth literature analysis of one contemporary novel and one classic novel. We could Uh choose from a list what we wanted to do. And it was like literally going through and being like, this is a symbol in the book. This is an example of foreshadowing. Like it was not a book report, but it was like a 50-page project. It was a huge project. And for my classic novel, because I was like, go big or go home, I picked Les Miserables. So I had to do it because it was for this huge project that was like half of my grade. It's really hard to get through, but finishing it is so rewarding Mm. because just like in the musical, how the end has like this beautiful emotional release to it. I feel like the book's the same way that I loved and I was so happy when I finished it. Like I will never have that feeling of accomplishment ever again. Um, But I say as I'm going to my master's degree graduation in three days. (laughs) Um, Nothing compared to finishing Les Mis. Nothing compared. All right, I think that's everything. Wow. Do you feel do you feel accomplished? Do you can you now tell me <laughs> more about the history of Les Miserables? Yeah. Yeah. All right. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at YKWIBW Podcast. You can check out our website, I've been wondering.com. We post some fun things there. If you have something that you've been wondering, you can email us at I've been wondering podcast at gmail.com. Jane's really gearing up for some emails. I would love an email. I would love a good email. It doesn't even have to be about what you've been wondering. You can just be like, hi. Oh, yeah. Whatever you want to say. You can send us a fun gif if you would like. Or jif, if that's what you call it. (laughs) Whatever you want. Both pronunciations are correct. Okay, that's good to know. Because that's something I've been wondering. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> if you like what you're hearing, you can donate to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. We will give you presents. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Please consider leaving us a five-star review. Yeah. It, it means the world to us. The world. It means more to us than the musical Les Miserables. <laughs> It's Jane's pondering if it does. <laughs> Maybe. Well, that's a really beautiful piece of art. You it know? is. It is. Like, <laughs> but your five star review means more. <laughs> um, special thanks to our friend Sean. He said a really nice thing about our podcast oh! today, and it made me really emotional. So thank you for listening, Sean. I don't think we even thanked him in the chat that he said. I it loved in. his his oh. message. <laughs> But thank you, Sean. This is your honor shout out for saying such nice things. See, we reward nice thoughts. Yeah. I think that's everything. <laughs> it's like we're training a group like, <laughs> like pets. If you're nice to us, we'll give you a treat. We'll give you a treat. Um, yeah, that's everything. Wow. Sarah, do you know what I've been wondering? What? It was very this? recently pointed out to me that humans and Neanderthals are different things. We did not evolve from Neanderthals. We did not. I this was very surprising to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. That does and I need someone ex- like to explain that to me. All right. All right. I'll explain. We can explain that. Me and maybe somebody else will explain Ooh, that. Ooh, stay tuned. We might have a guest. Stay wow. tuned. Wow, wow, wow. Jane, you know what I've been wondering? What have you been wondering? So there's this trope in media, specifically television shows and movies, and that is the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Oh, wow. So now we're going to have two guests. I got to get my friend Taylor in here. No, I'm kidding. That's a dragon Taylor. No, 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 no. Just because she's, I feel like, an expert on this topic. Oh. I wasn't calling her one. Oh, Kelsey's calling me. Hold on. Hello, caller. We have a caller. We've Hello, call in. It's fine. We're almost done. Oh, yeah. I'm here to ask a question. Um, Where do pears come from? Okay, Jane, you have to answer two questions. Where do pears come from? Okay. Okay. (laughs) A call-in question. Actually, I changed my mind. Where do hamsters come from? Hamsters are not found in nature. Where are they from? Oh, hamsters aren't found in nature. I once went on a... uh, no, Good question, caller. Where hamster? Well, I can tell you, caller, that um, my family once went on a two-week vacation to stay at this cabin that our neighbor's son built on an island in the lake in Maine, and we brought my hamster with us, and he went missing for three days. So, for all we know, he went to join his brethren in the wild, or he started no a colony of hamsters in the wild. Are we doing a two-part evolution? One on humans and one on hamsters? I can throw in some hamster facts. All right. So the main question. Manic Pixie Dream Girls and their favorite pets, hamsters. Yeah. All right. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. I'll get right on it. Wow. Thank you. Tell me right now. That's not the format of the show. Uh (laughs) (laughs) You said I'll get right on it. Don't be disingenuous. (laughs) That's manipulative. All right. I'm doing research. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for listening. This is You Know What I've Been Wondering.